أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائم على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope you all are doing well and inshallah uh, hopefully everything is fine with you and welcome to another episode of our tafsir of dua kumail podcast so we ended in the last episode talking about uh the raqib and atid the two angels that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in charge of the human being to record the deeds of the human being and uh, we started by asking the question of why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even created these two angels because the question that comes to mind, and maybe you have also thought about this as well, is, well, you know, if the human being, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching the human being, and if he knows what the human being is doing, then, I mean, what's the point of having these two angels write down the deeds of the human being? We said that based on a hadith from the sixth Imam, salawatullahi alayhi, he says that the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this was in order to put something tangible there so that the servants of Allah, when they think of doing something wrong, other than knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching them, they actually feel like someone is taking record. Someone is recording the things that they are uh, doing. And so, essentially we said that, yes, technically there wouldn't be a reason to have these angels, but from a practical perspective, it makes sense to have these because it seems more tangible from the perspective of the human being. And we said this really shows us and teaches us a lot about how we are and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to simplify things for us and make things in a tangible way, even though, you know, there are greater truths out there. Um, for us, because of how weak our intellect is and because of how weak our faith is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to take that extra step so that we would stay away from uh, the wrong deeds. And then we moved on beyond that to some of the ahadith that talk about the... Uh, role and the duty of these two angels and how they actually carry out this duty. So we went through a hadith in which the uh, Ahlul Bayt mentioned that these two angels, they communicate with one another. We went through the hadith of Imam Al-Qadim in which he explained how these two angels realize when someone makes an intention to commit a wrong deed, how these two angels immediately realize such a thing and how they communicate to one another and they, uh, you know, they speak to one another. Um, there's one more hadith I wanted to share about these two angels, and then from there we'll move on to um, what the du'a is going to talk about, which is other witnesses that also witness and also keep record of what we are doing. That last hadith is from the Imam, from the first Imam, in one of his khutbas, he is talking about taqwa, and he says this, he says, know that there are those who are watching you and they are writing down every one of your deeds. Some of them are your own organs, like the body parts of your body. And some of them are, no, they are angels that are writing down what you're doing. And this is the line that I really wanted to emphasize on because it puts into perspective how much detail uh, these angels are you know, using and utilizing in order to record the deeds of the human being. He says, even the number of times that you breathe these angels are recording and neither does the darkness of the night stop them from what they are doing and from you know hide from them the 
you know, the recording of your deeds, meaning that you could do something in the darkness of the night. No one else will figure out, but these two angels will know. And then he says this, he says, nor will the doors or the thick gates of any house stop you uh, or stop these angels from recording your deeds. In other words, you could do something in the corner of some enclosed room somewhere where no one else can see you, but still these angels will be there with you and they will know uh, what you are up to. Okay, and then the dua moves on to uh, this line. الَّذِينَ وَكَّلْتَهُمْ بِحِفْظِ مَا يَكُونُ مِنِّي Ya Allah, uh, you know, because this is a lot, you know, in continuation of the lines that Ali ibn Abi Talib was saying before. He said, Ya Allah, forgive all of my sins, especially those sins that you have told your angels to write down for me. Those angels that you have put them in charge of me, you have appointed them to me. And then he says this, وَجَعَلْتَهُمْ شُهُودًا عَلَيَّ مَعَ جَوَارِحِيمٍ those angels that you have put them in charge of watching me, you have made them witnesses upon me, alongside and along with my bodily members, my organs, my limbs. So what is Ali ibn Abi Talib talking about here? Again, as is the case with so many other parts of Dura Kumail, he is not bringing up these concepts on his own. These are really things that he is borrowing from the verses of the Quran. He's saying, Ya Allah, other than the angels that you put there, you also put there organs of my body. These organs of my body will also witness what I do. And it's kind of a foreign concept to us. It might be a little you know, unusual for us to understand this and to really digest this, that we assume that the one who is doing these deeds, you know, us, when we talk about ourselves, we assume that our body parts are part of us. We assume that our body parts are owned by us, that we have authority over our body parts. But here we are in this dua, and of course, as we said, this dua is getting this concept from the verses of the Quran, that those same body parts, you actually do not own them. And the reason why you don't own them, and the reason why you don't have authority over them, is because on the Day of Judgment, those same body parts that you thought were part of, quote-unquote, you, will then bear witness against you. Okay, so where are we getting this? This is in Surah Yasin, verse 65. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, On this day, we will stamp their mouths, we will close their mouths. And instead, their hands and their arms will speak to us. And their legs will bear witness to those things that they used to do in this world. Okay, And then in Surah Fussilat, same concept comes up, but in more detail. So Surah Fussilat, verses 18 through 22, they say this, and we save those who were, you know, righteous, they were God-weary. And when the day comes that the enemies of Allah, they are brought to the hellfire. They all gather. Okay, yuzaun means it refers to the idea of jama. It refers to the idea of being gathered. When they are gathered there, until the point comes where they actually come up to hellfire, right? Ja'uha means they come standing right by it. So the hellfire is right there 
in their presence, right? Like in my words, it's a couple of feet away. You think about it that way or a couple of inches away from you. When they come upon it, what happens? Shahida alayhim sam'uhum wa absaruhum wa juluduhum bima kanu ya'malun. At that moment, their ears and their eyes and their skin will bear witness against them to those things that they used to do. Like they continuously used to commit these sins. So then they turn to their skins. And it's interesting because the verse said that their eyes and their ears and different body organs or different organs of their body will bear witness. But in response, they will say, they will speak to their skin in particular. Why did you bear witness against us? How did you bear witness against us? And the Mufassirin say the reason why they respond to the skin in particular is because the skin is something that you would assume is part of your a part of you more than anything else. If you think about it, a human being, he can live without eyes, you know? He can live without his ears working or having ears altogether. But skin Skin is something that takes over your whole body. It, it, you would assume that it's just part of who you are. And still they turn back to their sin, to their skin, the skin that bared witness against them, and says, Why did you bear witness against us? Or how did this happen? They say, well, it's not up to us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who gives speech to everything, he made us speak now. How did you guys think you guys were talking? You guys were talking because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this in this manner, created you in this manner. Well, he is now giving speech to us and you have now returned to him. And then verse 22 says this, وَمَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَتِرُونَ أَنْ يَشْهَدَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَمْعُكُمْ وَلَا أَبْصَارُكُمْ وَلَا جُنُودُكُمْ says, you would have never thought that these organs of your body would bear witness against you. Very interesting the Qur'an is saying. It says, you would never cover up your wrong deeds from your own eyes and from your own ears. Why? What is the Qur'an trying to allude to? It's alluding to the idea that you, in your wildest dreams, you would have never imagined that if anyone was going to bear witness against you on the Day of Judgment, it would be your own eyes, it would be your own ears, for example, it would be your own skin. That's why when you were doing your wrong deeds, you didn't cover it up from your own eyes and from your own ears. Now, of course, you can't cover up your own deeds from your eyes and from your ears, right? Because you're going to know and hear and see what you are doing. But the Quran is making a very beautiful point here. It's saying that the reason why you didn't cover it up is because you would have never assumed that your own eyes and ears would be the ones who would bear witness against you. It's because you assume that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have knowledge of a lot of the things that you guys do. You assumed, you, in other words, you were thinking of God as just like another human being who kind of knows you but doesn't know too much about you. That's the type of understanding that you had about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's very interesting if you really think about this as an, an, an analogy. Um, you've seen sometimes when criminals, you know, in the last moment, what really, really breaks them, what really like is an end to their whole situation is when someone who was complicit with them in a crime, someone who was there with them when they were committing the crime, right? When their partner bears witness against them, 
that's when they're in deep, deep trouble. Right? Sometimes you can have someone like, you know, some other person come and bear witness against them. Someone who is witnessing what was happening. That's one thing. But when you have a partner who actually took part in committing that crime with you, when you have that person bear witness against you, that's when you know there's no more running away from it. There's no more getting away from it. There's no more opportunity for you to deny what you had done. Similarly, in these verses of the Qur'an, what's happening is that these kuffar, these individuals, as the verses of the Qur'an say, the enemies of God, which is, by the way, not an, you know, a simple title to give somebody. Just because someone commits some sins, you can't refer to them as the enemy of God. This is a very heavy uh, you know, uh, label, essentially. But the verses of the Qur'an are saying that these guys, when they show up to the hellfire and they're about to enter into the hellfire, the ones who bear witness against them now are those same body organs that they used in the first place to commit the sin. The closest partners in their sin will bear witness that they actually committed, committed that sin and therefore they have no more room to deny what they had done. Okay. Now, Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, Ya Allah, you made these angels in charge to bear witness, you know, uh, against me or for me, regardless of which way it's going to go. Alongside them, you put these jawari. So this is what Ali ibn Abi Talib is talking about. Now he continues, And you were the one who was watching me beyond these other witnesses, right? If you remember, two episodes ago, we mentioned there are other witnesses as well. That the Qur'an will bear witness on the Day of Judgment. The, the earth will bear witness on the Day of Judgment. The prophets and the awliya, the successors of the prophets, they will bear witness on the Day of Judgment. So there's a lot of people that are going to be bearing witness on the Day of Judgment. But uh, the, this verse of the Dua is saying, beyond all of these, you were there and you were watching me. And you were watching and you were witnessing those things that were hidden from them. From them. But wait a second. <clears throat> is it possible that when these angels are watching you, is it possible that the land on which you commit a wrong deed, I mean, you commit this wrong deed on this land, is it possible that that same land or that these angels that were created specifically to write down our good deeds or bad deeds. Is it possible that things would be hidden from them? Because the dua is saying, Ya Allah, beyond these witnesses, you were watching when I did things that were hidden from them. So then that means some things we do are hidden from these angels. They are hidden from these other witnesses. What is this referring to? When we go back to hadith in particular, <clears throat> we find that there are times where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will take the deed of one of His servants for certain reasons, and we'll go into the hadith, and the hadith explains this, explains this in such a beautiful manner. This is, you know, it's difficult to call a hadith a favorite hadith cause, just because we have so many beautiful hadith out there, but this is actually one of, one of my favorite hadith, I should say. You know, the hadith tells us that there are certain times where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take the wrong deed of a human being and He will essentially remove this from the memory of the angels. And then beyond that, 
he will make the organs of the body of this individual forget that this person committed this deed. Either forget or he will make them keep quiet. And then the hadith continues, and we'll talk about the hadith in just a second, if you know, if we get an opportunity in this episode. The hadith then says there are times where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, beyond that, will take the land on which this individual committed this wrong deed, and he will make sure that this wrong deed will not show up, and that the land on which he committed this deed will keep quiet about this. Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do this? And when does he do this? Based on the ahadith, when someone essentially does tawbah. And his tawbah is a genuine tawbah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes them forget. Now, you might say, well, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make them forget? Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hide this deed from these angels? If someone does tawbah, Right? He's repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Would it, would it not make sense for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to simply say that yes, the angels have recorded this terrible deed. The angels have recorded that this person commit this deed. But because he has done tawbah, because he has repented, because he has asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness, then there is no problem. We will not punish him because of this sin. Well, doesn't that make sense that we will be doing that instead? Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not only does he not punish this individual, but then the hadith says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hide this. The hadith says this, even the, the, the lines of the dua. He hides this from the angels. So this begs the question, why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala end up doing that? And inshallah, in the next episode, we're going to talk more about this. Why he would do that? How does he do that? And what is the result? And also, what is the theological uh, result and the theological effect and the theological point that can be understood from this idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take some sins of the human being and will hide it even from the angels that were created specifically to write down the deeds of the human being. What can we understand from this uh, from this idea as it relates to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how he deals with his servants? That inshallah we will discuss uh, in the next episode and of course we'll continue with the dua after that in which the Imam explains It was out of your mercy that you hid the bad deeds of mine. It was out of your mercy and your grace that you didn't allow others to find out about it. And then what comes after that in the dua as well. We'll discuss that in the following episode. Inshallah. Until then, keep us in your duas. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.